Hello, listeners, and welcome to the third episode of From Print to Podcast, presented by the Roanoker Magazine. I'm your friendly neighborhood editor, Liz Long, and we're showing off our March-April issue, first celebrating International Women's Day on March 8th, all month long, with our features of truly incredible women making a difference right here in our community. You'll meet Mayor Renee Turk, Salem's first female mayor, and how she's helping local businesses and citizens improve their daily lives. Next, we sit down with friends Hal and Chris Cohn, realtors who can't wait to share great advice on spring gardening and easy, low-budget home refreshes. And finally, we sit down with Lisa Garcia, Director for Ramp Regional Accelerator, an important program helping startup businesses here in the Valley. We've got a great show ahead, so sit back, relax, and learn how Roanoke women are changing the world. Listeners, today I am unbelievably honored to welcome Salem, Virginia Mayor Renee Ferris Turk. Sworn in back in July of 2020, Mayor Turk was voted the first female mayor in the 52-year history of Salem. And she's also the first female to serve as a mayor of Salem, Roanoke City, or Vinton. A Roanoke College graduate, Mayor Turk has taught business classes at Salem High School, was the general sales manager at Saturn of Roanoke Valley, and an account executive for Q99. She retired from Wheeler Broadcasting in 2014, which led into her role into government. Her leader role in local government was one of the many reasons she was included in our March-April women's feature on Leading Ladies, written by the incomparable Laura Wade, which you can of course read the feature in our latest issue on Newsstands Now or see more at theroanoker.com. Hi, Mayor Turk. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Oh, it's so exciting to have you here, the first female mayor. Like, that is just, what an accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> very much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Now, you actually grew up right here in the Roanoke Valley. Uh, you attended Jefferson High School in the city of Roanoke, which is now Jefferson Center, I believe. Yes, that dates me, doesn't it? <laughs> well, just a little bit. That's all right. It's a wonderful spot for live shows anyway. So. Yes, yes. Um, and then you enrolled at Virginia Western Community College, eventually transferring to Roanoke College, which is one of our very favorite higher ed spots in town. Definitely. And you graduated in 1977 after earning your bachelor's degree in business administration, economics, and education. You couldn't just go for one, huh? No, had to do a tripose. That gives you about 20 credit er- hours actually each area so I mean it was like yeah I think I'm doing all three well I think that's actually a really nice way to learn your personality from the get-go it seems (laughs) like uh you're an overachiever in the best way possible until that before (laughs) yeah yeah we were just talking about how you don't sleep at night because you're too busy thinking of all the great things that you can be doing to serve Salem I tell you what and the only way to get rid of all of that is to get up and do something about it right right at that moment because or have a notepad that you can write on but usually get up and make it happen right so I don't encourage you to email her at 3 a.m but you might actually get a response back (laughs) yeah you probably Good. People have. <laughs> so you became Salem, Virginia's first female mayor in 2020. And I was curious about if you would be able to tell us about your experience and the responsibility that that sort of entails. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, being a member of council is a great responsibility in itself. Being selected mayor was surprising, exciting. Um, I had no doubts that it would be something that I couldn't do. I knew it was something I would just go after. And it was You know, when people look at things from the outside, they don't realize the number of organizations, councils, boards, commissions, meetings, and events that you have to attend. This isn't a a once-a-meeting week kind of thing. (laughs) No, it really isn't. I mean, they see that a mayor maybe goes to city council twice a month in Salem, the second and fourth Monday of the month. Mm -hmm. But I decided it was important for me to get out in the community as much as possible, to go to as many meetings as I possibly could that were either regional meetings or meetings through the city, government meetings. And it keeps you very busy because not only that, 
there are different groups that come to the city that you're the face of the city for, that you welcome, that you give speeches, you cut ribbons, you answer emails, you meet with citizens. I mean, it, the list could go on and on exhausted. and on. <laughs> but it's, it's, I love people. So doing that for me is just like, you know, natural. It's easy. It's good. I want to hear what people have to say. I want to be open. I want to be available. And that's what a local government succeeds on is empowering people, making sure people are involved, listening to what they have to say, evaluate all the angles, and then try to do what's best for the citizens of that community. I don't consider myself a politician. I tell people, please don't call me that. <laughs> call me a public servant, because I think that you're serving people. You're not, you're not out there for the glory and the ego and all of that. You're out there to do what you can do with your cohorts, with your colleagues, that as a group, you discuss, you evaluate, and you come to what you all each one feels might be the best decision for your city so it's a very involved job as mayor it is of course as a council member also because they do a great job getting out to different things with me which i think is really important right. so you can tell i could just like go oh, that's all that. right spoken like a powerful <laughs> female leader i love it and i was kind of curious you know for citizens to elect you and and for the council and for for you to be in this position what does that mean for you to publicly serve the community and for them to come to you when they have problems or concerns well to me it's an honor it's a very humbling feeling it's a very um it's the type of thing where you know i need to listen i want to know who do i need to go to what do i need to ask how do i educate myself about this do i go online do i go to this department head do you know so there's a lot that's involved but it's very humbling, and to me, it's a great responsibility, and um, I, I really feel honored to be able to represent citizens and meet with them. I think that's so interesting you noticed education. You're educating yourself, because clearly, if you don't have the answer that someone is seeking, it's your responsibility to also go find that answer. I'm not afraid to say I don't know. And I think that if you and see, I'm a past educator. So to me, you know, incredibly the, important. By yes, the way. thank you yes. for your work there as well. Sure, course, but. but but to me, I always believe that in my father, my parents, my mother encouraged. If you don't know, learn. If you can read, you can learn. If you can talk and ask questions, you can learn. There is nobody in the city that 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 can do any more if you push yourself to your full potential and that you are open to new ideas and ready to attack whatever it is, look outside the box, approach things, you will grow, you will learn, you can be what you want to be. You just have to be willing to work hard enough. I got chills, guys. Who's ready to like jump on the bandwagon with me and let's go do we, some stuff for Mayor Turk? <laughs> we need women and men, you know, yes. people that are willing to take some time and get involved, to look at what's out there. There are councils for citizens that we could use people on, men and women alike. But I think sometimes women get intimidated because they think, well, you know, I've got the kids, I've got this job, I've got to get home, I've got to... It does take cooperation with who, if you have a, a partner, it does take working together to be able to support each other. I wouldn't be right. where I am today if it wasn't for my husband, David, who has always, always 
been supportive of anything that I wanted to do, just like I've always been extremely supportive of every sport he's coached, whether it's lacrosse, whether it's volleyball, whatever teams he's involved with, the support goes both ways. Right. And we were talking before we started the interview, actually, we're talking about how you don't always necessarily hear the term, uh, you know, I'm the working dad. And, mm-hmm. and so I find it very interesting. You pointed out specifically, it's very important for you to have a supportive partner should that be available in your life. Exactly. Um, and so for you, I think that that's very telling because we were just talking about how your husband has worked with other strong women mm-hmm. and he would never stand in anybody's way to make sure that they are reaching to the top of what they want to be. Exactly. Our daughter is a doctor of psychology and Rachel is a very strong-willed young lady. Sure, she learned from the best. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> she definitely learned, that's for sure. But our young men are too, Michael and Daniel. They're they're, you know, they're both very strong in their beliefs, very driven in what they do and 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 it, it's a good thing. Absolutely. It's good servant good leaders for future future of the Roanoke Valley. And I beyond. hope so. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I certainly well, hope so. We'll talk a little bit about your family to come here, but we wanted to talk about, you know, being a mayor in your position. It's so interesting. And you've listed a lot of things that you do. Yes. Um, and we were just talking about all the, the things that you had to do before you even showed up in our studio today. Right. And I was curious about what an average day in the life of the Salem mayor, what does that look like for you? Oh, wow. My husband would say it looks like a chicken with her head yeah, cut well, off. Well, you probably start at like 2 a.m. from well, what Actually, I didn't go to bed to 3 a.m. So sometimes that happens. But, so start um, with a giant cup of coffee. Got it. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> it's very necessary. But it's mostly trying to get where I need to be, be early wherever it is I'm going, observe what's going on, look at body language, then jump in and do what I need to do. But a lot of times, and it's so funny because, you know, I, I told you earlier, oh I, gosh, look I, at, I sent my schedule to my husband and my son going, okay, I'm not home for supper again tonight, so here's what you need to know, fend for yourselves, and they will. They well, will. that's they, the point of having a supportive care. partner. <laughs> but a day can be anywhere from going to a meeting at City Hall to meeting with Parks and Recreation and looking to see what they've got going on at Moyer Complex, which is being renovated right now, which mm-hmm. is just totally awesome. Is going to be a gem and a half. Can't wait. Um, and Or meeting with the people that are actually opening a new business like Ridgeview Bank with Carrie McConnell yes, this morning. Yes, just there with her this morning. 10 o'clock, yes. cut the ribbon, and right there, the first branch in... In Southwest Virginia, Fantastic. right on Main Street in Salem. So, P.S. You can also see Carrie in our leading ladies feature. That's with what I, Mayor Turk. I noticed that when you, I, you know, I was like, oh yeah, there's Carrie. We just talked this morning. So, um, to answering emails, to uh, meeting with the Economic Development Authority or the Director of Economic Development or businesses. So it just is a multitude and a variety of so many different things. Kind of is like right up my being around people and enjoying anything that can further help the city of Salem. Sure. It's like all your past experience really led you to this. Well, it really did. And I didn't know it at the time. Of course. It's so funny. I went to Girl State when I was at Jefferson High School and I was so lost. I was the mayor of my city and I was oh, like, that's... what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I was like, so here it is, like 50 years. I'm not going to say how many years later. And it's happened. That's amazing. And I love sometimes that. I wish I had started a little earlier. You know, but I will say being retired has been an extreme advantage to allowing me to be able to do so much. That's not always an easy thing for sure. mayors in any city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, a lot of them are working full-time jobs and aren't able to, but right. it's it's been a blessing for me. Now tell me, do you keep a pair of giant scissors in the back of your car? I don't, but the, <laughs> but the girl from the chamber does. <laughs> 
<laughs> you always got her around. Got it. Yeah, she does really good. They all do. Um, so in our Leading Ladies uh, feature, the, the women that were featured in it offered fantastic advice that you're going to be able to see at the end of the piece. And mm-hmm. so you had great advice. And I was curious about your advice for women seeking leadership positions, particularly in government. You know, part of it is don't think you can't do it. Oh, Just do it. Perfect. It, it's it's it, it doesn't take anything more than being willing to learn and educate yourself and going after it. Because basically, what did I know about government? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I remember my government class in high school, oh, but good. <laughs> I don't remember a thing about how local government is run. But you, you educate yourself. You take the time to look and see, and you find out what strengths you can offer to what there is out there. And you know, I'm, I'm guessing for me, it's being around people and being able to just express, you know, the the love for the city and the the people that I represent and doing whatever we can to help the city grow. And so um, for women thinking about it, please do it. Um, it, it. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily a position as mayor, but run for your councils, join your commissions, look online to see what your area has available for you. We need people that are willing to give just a little bit of time and share their thoughts. There's nothing better than a well-balanced board commission or group of people, um, male, female, you know, whoever's interested in doing or whatever they're interested in doing to be able to share their thoughts. I think you've really hit a key point there, which is to build on the strengths that you already have. You're not learn, yes, educate yourself mm-hmm. on things you don't know, right. but build on what you have and what you do well. And I think that that's a really special critique because a lot of people think they have to go into something and know everything about whatever subject it that's is. exactly right and they think oh i can't do that it was exactly. like when someone came to me and said why don't you run for city council i was like well i don't know a whole lot about local government <laughs> but i do know economics i do know about business mm-hmm. i do know you know i do see things maybe there is something i can contribute right so um you know basically it's just discussing things and using common sense and evaluating in a logical order what it is that people think needs to happen or you have staff people that advise you or they give you you know you ask them to find out certain things so it works together you work as a team and it's not one person there is not power in the position of a mayor in the salem system it is a weak mayor system there are five of us on council we make a decision. It's mm-hmm. not the mayor making a decision. So you have, you know, you, you are surrounded by a board or a commission or a council, and you work together. It's the same that you do at work. You sure. work with a team of people. You can do the same for your government or your locality. Good people are needed. So, and, and I think that's a fabulous point. So quick question before I get to the other questions we have. <laughs> but when you have strong personalities discussing things that you obviously feel passionate about, particularly when you're serving the public and community, how do you... How do you as the mayor as the leader in that room how do you balance all of those personalities and make sure everyone is heard it stays respectful things like that well i've had i have been accused of lecturing people oh. because when i get passionate about something my hands start going that's an ethnic thing because i'm lebanese so yeah. like italians we talk <laughs> with our hands we're very expressive our voice sometimes becomes louder my husband goes use your indoor voice <laughs> so um so a lot of times it's mistaken mistaken for anger or for Aggression. but it's passion mm-hmm. It is passion for what I believe in. And I think some people have started to get that. You know, hopefully they have. Well, because and if they don't, 
I mean, yeah. you're doing your job anyway. Right, right. I think it's important. And, you know, at the, first of all, it's important to listen. You listen first. You know, anybody going to any position should move in and listen. Hmm. You're not there to start changing or ripping apart anything that's been there because people are very sensitive about that type of thing. Great point. But you go in and you listen and you evaluate and you give things time to see is there a better way or is there a newer way or is there an alternate way? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's better. I shouldn't have said that word. It, it just is there an alternate way sure. to reach our goal. We may still we were going to get there, mm-hmm. but there might be another way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Or and, in some cases you want to start something new, but maybe something already exists in that place that you can partner with them instead. Yeah, I think the best thing that happens on council, we have several that have, uh, you know, years of experience. So I asked them about the history. Why was this done this way? What was the reasoning behind it? You, and you know, you ask your city manager, you ask your other, and you have to get a feel for why it's there, why it's the way it is, before you start tearing apart and thinking, I can make whatever so I can. So day one, you didn't come in and just throw out all the laws. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I, was, I would say, I don't think I did. Maybe <laughs> maybe some of the guys will say differently. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it's a challenge. You have to watch people's body language. Mm-hmm. You evaluate, you know, and, and you present things. In a nice, calm sure. manner. <laughs> you start getting passionate about it. It does get misconstrued. Well, sometimes. that's all right because, like you said, you know, at, at some point you have to stand your ground and for what you're believing in mm-hmm. and for your position and bringing your strengths to the table and showing why it would work. Exactly. Or not. Exactly. And it, it can be it can be a trial. And sure. sometimes it's not better if I suggest something. Sometimes it's better that I sit back and let other people talk about it mm-hmm. because I think. For me, listening is so critical to evaluation. Right. Not just of your peers, but your community, too. I mean, you're talking about being a servant, hearing what they have to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) well, and so we're talking about, you know, after that fantastic advice, I need to go apply that to every (laughs) aspect of my life. Uh, But going back to the leading ladies, we were talking about, uh, before we started recording, talking about leading ladies in the area, obviously, Carrie McConnell, we're talking about her and what a powerhouse she's become in this region. Are there any other leading ladies that you would love to sort of share your, you know, love for? That, you know, there are many of them. All you have to do is look at Look at y'all's next oh. next book, that comes out, next magazine that comes out, and you'll see a group. You know, it's funny, in Name and Names, I'm more prone to say someone, not a specific person, but people that step up and are willing to try something, hmm. start their own business, serve as a leader of, of an area, like Annette Lewis, who is in charge of TAP. God bless that woman. Right. You know that what she has to go through in order to keep the programs going and keep people employed. You look at these different, you know, nonprofits. You look at government and you look at the different corporations mm-hmm. around. There are women in all of them that are stepping above and beyond. I just, you know, and they're good with that. But other people can be good too, right? Men and women right. who step up and try things, be willing to lead. Um, It's so much about teamwork, Mm -hmm. and that's really the answer to, you may be a group, you may have a lot of of women or a lot of men or whatever, but when I look at the leaders that we do have, I'm so proud of them. I am so enamored by what they are willing to give of themselves, and there could be more. 
Of course, there's always room for more. I think that's really important, right? The, yes. You know, the, what is it? The rising tide lifts all ships. I mean, yes. that's truly kind of what we stand for in the Roanoke. I think particularly right. in Salem and Vinton, you know, we really yeah. believe in that because we want to support local businesses and leaders. Yeah. Sometimes there's a mistake in the way that people view women supporting women. It's, it's you know, it's like, haha, you know, feminists or... or that is really not it. it is more on the point of saying i get what you go through i know what you have to deal with i understand what you have to handle on a day-to-day basis whether it be in your home and your job or in whatever position that you hold so sometimes having that understanding with women leaders or, or women across the board it's so important to know that there are a lot of people that support what they do right and sort of funny you don't even you not particularly is it's not a good example because you're not siloed away you know you're 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 in the community talking to everybody but it's it's sort of enlightening when you meet another woman Mm -hmm. or man sorry spencer our producer over here (laughs) but since we're talking about our women's issue it's it's very empowering when you meet another woman who understands even just a little bit of what you're experiencing right and even if you're just venting to each other there's something yes overwhelming with relief at knowing Relief. we are in this together, just in maybe different little pieces of that puzzle. You know, part of the uh, traits that women possess, everybody is different. Yes, men are from Mars, women are from <laughs> Venus, whatever that is. But when it comes down to it, the personality traits of each gender, gender is critical to be worked together Mm -hmm. to be brought together because there are so many things that men have and there are so many things that women have and when you you put that together in a team it equals power because it's so well balanced Mm -hmm. women are great multitaskers they're nurturers they are evaluators they are let's think of a solution um you know are looking at things from a different perspective Mm -hmm. that perspective and when you think about the population in salem being 52 to 53 percent female isn't it a wonder that there have only been three women on salem city council and and jane huff god bless her in 1972 was the first woman on council jane johnson was on council for 16 years a tremendous role model a person i admire greatly and then we had lisa garst who came on board council Mm -hmm. so you know they stepped out of of what a normal role would be in the city of Salem. We're a very conservative city, and and we're willing to to serve the people. Mm-hmm. And so much of that, or it's the kind of things that women are used to doing, and it's good for us to look around and applaud those that do. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you've got a team that works together to support yes. whatever endeavor you're, in this case, the Exactly. Community. Don't be threatened by what women can do. Right. Don't be threatened by what a man does. Work the strengths together work what you have as a group and a team and it's amazing what you can come out with it'll be as beautiful as salem virginia oh yeah (laughs) that's exactly right right so speaking of so we've talked about your limited downtime since you're answering emails at 3 a.m yeah but uh you know and you've mentioned your husband and your kids what do you guys love to do around the region when you have a minute together (laughs) well it used used to be a lot of time spent on the greenway just loving to walk on the greenway Mm Sometimes, I was mentioning this earlier, uh, my son Michael and my nephew Sean own Old Salem Brewing. So a lot of times just like, well, let's, you know, let's go over there. I don't have to clean up. We can can sit down with the family or we can sit down with cousins or whatever at my sister's, my brother, and just sit and relax a little bit. I don't have to clean. So it's hanging out there a little bit. 
I make sure I set aside three days a week that I do deep water aerobics with a group Interesting. over at Gator Pool okay. because I know I need exercise. And if I don't make an appointment with myself right. to do that, it's not going to happen. Oh, so I, I love that. That's self-care and that's finest form. I because... try so hard. It's been years since I've been able to really make that happen. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of very preciously try to protect Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. I'm in with a group called Into Deep. <laughs> And they're a wonderful group of ladies and one gentleman named Bob. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. You're doing Thank a great you, Bob. Job. He does a great job. So, and we, we're exercising. So, that's great. It's, I do like but to that do that. But you're putting yourself as a priority in that respect. You know, I never whatever, used it is, to. whatever it is you're looking to seek to kind of find <laughs> right, sort of refuge. Right, I right. Think that's excellent. I find a lot to do. I, I, you know, I don't find a lot of time to do it. Sure. I get Well, and that's the thing. So, are you able to, uh, pack your family along for some of your governmental duties and here we are we're at a family activity day at salem park <laughs> right right haven't yeah haven't done that a lot because my husband is busy volunteer coaching he's retired too but he still coaches two volleyball travel teams one oh volleyball gosh. high school team and one lacrosse team so he's an assistant creating young volunteer leaders. i love it that keeps very very busy but um we do try to do things around in the area we go to talks at renault college they have a wonderful phenomenal speaker speakers we, we'll go to that. We'll go to receptions. We'll go to uh, alumni weekend. We'll go to, I like to try to attend a lot of the high school games mm -hmm. and sporting events because we chased our kids all over the place <laughs> watching them play. Rachel was sure. a volleyball player. Michael and Daniel were football players on state championship teams. So, and lacrosse, lacrosse, oh my gosh. So we go to a lot of events because a lot of what I have to be at is like CIAA, NCAA mm -hmm. championships that are hosted by the city of Salem because right. tourism is big for us right. that that's the kind of thing I'm doing when there's free time but it's not really free time so yes sometimes my <laughs> husband will go with me occasionally in fact we worked a tournament for the volleyball championship that was here last year with the men's volleyball NCAA championship yeah. loved it <laughs> loved it I so. love that you're sports oriented to oh, that fact I love it I'm in the right city yeah, Salem Virginia so. championship city I, I mean Virginia's championship city and I'll tell you what we John Shaner Carrie Harvey Cutter the group that worked that tourism angle mm -hmm. with VBR mm -hmm. Landon Howard and his team, John, they they are just phenomenal. They yeah, have brought really so much to the entire valley. Yes. I mean, they yes. are so good about welcoming others from the outside in, you know, so. Right. Yeah. You have to remember, listeners, because this isn't just our kids going to these games and playing. This is teams and families coming in from all over to come into our region and put money into our economic economy. You know, exactly. And I think that's really important to note that our leaders have made that happen because yes. it only inspires people to continue to be here. Oh, it's so neat. When I have people from the NCAA come in and I'm talking to the coaches or the athletic directors, they're like, wow, this valley is so beautiful. We'll have to come here for a vacation. And you've got the lake. You've got Roanoke River. You've got the, the uh, McAfee's Knob just right up the road. You have so much mm -hmm. in our community here. Right. And when we're bringing these teams in, I get reports from John Shaner that say we brought in 63 teams. There were wow. you know, this many people that spent nights in hotels and this many people that were here. It's like so proud that Salem is helping the valley yes. by making that happen because we certainly don't have enough hotels in Salem to, <laughs> to take care of everyone. So they're all over the valley. Right. And, and, and it's boosting the economy, which is so critical to giving to our citizens what they need because we're getting the revenue from outside sources. Yes. So, I mean, it's just it, it's a beautiful, rotating wonderful thing to watch happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, where are you guys eating in Salem these days? 
eating. Yes, because oh. that's my favorite conversation is obviously. Food, oh, so. okay. Oh, of course, Mac and Bob's. Of course. <laughs> Mama you, Maria's, you of course. <laughs> we've got Gina's. We've got uh, Barbecue, West uh, Main Barbecue. We have, we've got a lot of places. And you I, do. I, I Salem go, is blowing up with great restaurants. I was just at Lydia's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I mean, there are so many neat places in Salem to stop in and eat at that, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to leave. Of course, Frankie Rollins, if oh, you want atmosphere. One of my favorites. Oh, my word. The one in Salem is unbelievable. I know. I'll meet you there for a pineapple martini any day. Oh, they are so, they they they're the bomb. Right. They're just so good. They really are. That's perfect. Um, so, last actually, bonus question: exciting things coming to Salem in a few years, or oh, yes. you know, coming up that you can talk about, of course. Yes, at this point, I can talk about Valleydale. <laughs> right. We do have uh, a, an area developer Ed Walker and Joe Thompson are going are working on. Valleydale being turned into these condo units that will be available for professionals to come and live in. And that's that's very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. We've got some other areas that are being developed along Thompson Memorial. There'll be a development. There's some up in a North Salem area that will be developed. Mm-hmm. So those developments are exciting. We do have some businesses come in. There's, there's, you know, one I can't really talk about right now, but there we oh, do stay have. Stay tuned. Come back later. Yes, we'll talk about that's that later. exactly right. So <laughs> we're trying to. Tommy Miller is doing an excellent job helping us fill the spots. But the most important thing is we want to make sure we keep the people that are currently here. Of course. And we do everything we can to build that relationship with our business owners so that's real important we want to hear what they need and we'll do what we can to keep them here and wayne atkins who was in the interim he made sure he was out in the community talking to business owners he's done a great job keeping them here Mm -hmm. so we have some great developments going on some businesses that are coming to town there'll be tropical cafe on main street um where the pizza hut used to be Mm -hmm. uh jersey mike's going to be there um so yeah Lots of great stuff we, coming to Salem. We've got things going on. It's always exciting. There's always something rocking and rolling. It Joe's is. Deli. Oh, my God. <laughs> Joe will kill me if I don't say right. Joe's Deli. is. If you want a sandwich that you can't put in your mouth because there's so much meat on it, try Joe's Deli. You need to start doing our commercials. That's what's going to have to happen. <laughs> I, I just, I'm so excited because Salem is, I feel like it's always been one of those booming places, that, and now it's mm-hmm. just getting even more recognition. Um, and so it's really exciting to see all of that coming. And, of course, led by a female mayor. Yeah. That's so great oh my gosh um you know we're just about out of time but is there anything else you want to cover i think we've covered a lot of good stuff but i talk fast don't i get it all in that's all right that's what we're it's perfect oh just that it's an honor to be able to serve in salem and it's a wonderful community that we have here in the roanoke valley and you know work together we play together we we travel together we just you know it's a great place to be salem residents are so proud to be from salem i think you know, even if they just moved there, we're yes. in Salem. We are so excited to be here. It's a beautiful spot. I, I mean, there's there's like no negative. Right. You know? See, I wasn't born in Salem, but right. I did move and to Salem because right. it was the school system that I was hired to teach in. And I determined that at that point, it was where I wanted my kids to go to well, school. Well, I think they welcomed you with open arms, even they if did. it wasn't immediate, you know. <laughs> 
Well, I did. thank you so much, Meritrick, for being our guest on I From Print to Podcast. Thank I'll you. Come back anytime. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> you're always welcome. Oh my gosh. In your presence and your leadership. Thank you for all you're doing for our community, thank for you. Salem, for the region in general. Just thank you. Thank it's you awesome. so much. Thank we you. appreciate it. We are so incredibly grateful for your time. We know it's incredibly limited with your many responsibilities, <laughs> and, but we can't wait to see more from Mayor Turk and all the fantastic things happening to and for Salem, Virginia. You can learn more about Mayor Turk and our other leading ladies, as well as get their best advice for fellow women on the rise in our latest feature in our March-April women's issue on newsstands now or read more at theroanoker.com. Our next segment is sponsored by Halcone Realty. Looking for a real estate team that combines local expertise with Southern hospitality? Look no further than Hal and Chris Cohn at Cone Realty Group in Roanoke. They have years of experience and a deep understanding of the Roanoke market and will work with you every step of the way to buy, sell, or invest in the Roanoke Valley. Visit conerealtygroup.com or call Hal and Chris today and experience the difference of expertise with Southern hospitality. Listeners, please join us in welcoming back real estate agents Hal and Chris Cohn of Cone Realty Group. These friends of ours are not only two of the best in the business when it comes to your buying and selling real estate needs, they're also two of the region's biggest cheerleaders and all there is to love about it. Hi, Hal. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on today. Hey. Thank you for having us Absolutely. Again. And, and thanks for that glowing uh, introduction <laughs> there. Wow. You're so welcome. <laughs> We're so pleased to have you back and excited to talk today. Um, I admit to being very curious about today's conversation because even if I'm not necessarily trying to sell my house right now, I'm always looking for tips on how to make it look beautiful, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially my yard. My husband and I, we walk through the surrounding neighborhoods almost every day, and we can tell we're getting older because we're always admiring people's porches (laughs) and like all the amenities, and we're always finding inspiration in their gardens. So I'm really excited to talk to you about some of your tips and tricks that not only help a home sell, but just make it look beautiful for the homeowner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the um, most important things, in our opinion, uh, is making it feel like a home, right? So, Mm -hmm. And doing that, it starts from the exterior and works all the way into the interior, right? Yes. First impressions are (laughs) crucial when you're Mm -hmm. buying, selling, and just admiring, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And so let's actually, let's start with the exterior, like you mentioned. So talking about curb appeal, how important is that when you're talking to someone who's ready to sell their home? The most important? I wouldn't say it's the most important. We had this conversation a little bit earlier. It's probably the second most important, right? right? So, you know, for those of you who are out there shopping for homes or have in the past, people are always interested about like, hey, what's going on in the market, right? So when you're scrolling and you're looking for those houses, where are you looking first? Normally online, right? Yep. So very first impression that you're going to make is going to be online. So 96% of people are actually looking at homes online before they come to purchase it. So with that, that's your first point of entry as far as like making sure you're standing out. Mm-hmm. But then the second piece is like, where's your next first impression? Second first impression will be right when you pull up to the house. So sure. that's mm-hmm. the most important part after the photos to be honest with you in our yeah. opinion and yeah. we've seen some pretty horrible photos and that translates as well to curb appeal sure when someone pulls up and they see that it's um just unmanaged unruly then that gives them the negative impression of the interior of the mm-hmm. house if they can't take care of the outside what's the inside gonna look like mm-hmm. right yeah, so. yeah and then yeah i think that there's a lot of things that you can do pretty easily like pressure washing makes a big mm-hmm. difference um, just trimming and shaping those hedges and the shrubs, that can make a big impression, too. We've always heard flowers, of course. Mm-hmm. Give it a little bit of pop. So that's nice. Putting but. some mulch down. Mm-hmm. But we have a good example of bad curb appeal. <laughs> uh, we helped a, a client uh, buy a house in Salem, and they were able to get at a huge reduction, big discounted price, because... 
it looked awful from the really? outside. I mean, really, really oh, scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like horror movie. Right, kind of right. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, don't, I wouldn't say it's quite that bad, <laughs> but I mean, it was not up to the caliber that it needed to be mm-hmm. to actually maximize the profit for that seller, right? The so. beds were completely unmaintained. The brush was very high. It was just incredibly full. You couldn't even see the inside or the front of the house. And for that reason, you couldn't even see the for sale by owner sign, really. And then once she got in there, our client just did, just chopped down about 90% of everything. It made a huge difference. All the neighbors were even saying, thank you so much. Your house looks great. So big big difference. Because I think it's important to know, and I mean, obviously, listeners, you know this too, but you mentioned it. You're you're seeing the outside and thinking that that also reflects the interior. Mm -hmm. However, I know that when I was shopping around, you're picturing yourself in this space. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't, if that look doesn't align with what I right. want, yeah. then it's very difficult for you guys to sort of make that connection and make them understand that, you know, it's just, you can fix that. Correct. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, honestly, even though you want to be rational whenever you're making a purchasing decision, it's really emotional. So it's that emotional mm-hmm. connection. Absolutely. So as soon as you drive up, it's an emotional connection. And a lot of times we'll tell our clients that, you know, you'll know within the first 10 to 15 seconds when you walk in the house, mm-hmm. that's going to be the house for you or not. It's like, because... They'll walk in and they'll be like, nah, 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 nah. and then the next thing you know, they go to the next house and it's like, you can just see their eyes light up, mm-hmm. right? And it goes from the time that they drive up till they step foot in the front door. And then, you know, you've got a client that's going to jump at it then. And that's an emotional connection to it. Right. And it's all in really the first impression. Yes. Right. Second impression, I guess. Yes. Yes. The second first impression. That's <laughs> going to be our new impression. thing, right? Is there like we got go. first impressions online. Second first impressions when people actually physically see it in person, when they're going to touch it, feel it, smell it, and all that stuff. Right. Because it is important because you it, it, the picture can look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And maybe the house is beautiful, too. But there's some distinct, you know, oh, my gosh, there's a little bit of difference there. Well, it doesn't, right. you didn't show that in the photo. Uh-huh. Like, come on. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, when you're working with sellers in particular, we talked about buyers, but when you're working with sellers, how do you help them come up with a plan to make their home look great before the buyers come to look at it? Yeah, that's a great question. We we try to really set our listings apart, and we do that by just being experts in our field and surrounding ourselves with experts. We do that by hiring interior designers to go into every single listing mm-hmm. and come up with a plan. And with that plan, it's really to help it become market ready and as close to HGTV as possible because we're all spoiled in that way. But really having to work with sellers because not everybody has the resources, the time, um, the ability to do massive projects and renovations. And that's not the goal. Some people just need to get out quickly. And so we minimize that plan. A lot of cleaning and decluttering helps a lot. Um, other people are willing to take on some of those bigger projects. We just had a great example. Of yeah, that. we just we just had one example where you know it was a she was a past client of ours who helped her sell a property at the lake, and then from there there was a, another house that she had that was close to the lake uh, over by West Lake. And so in the process, she was like, you know, every, every seller you talk to, for the most part, we want to maximize what we can make, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the what's the minimum I can put in? in order to get the maximum return, right? And so in her case, we had her go in and uh, you know our, our interior designers looked at it and then we actually pulled up carpet that was in bad shape and oh. then we sanded and refinished the floors. So we had hardwood floors, uh, finished off one of the rooms that had a couple of things that needed to be taken care of, painted the whole thing, ceiling, trim, Exterior. This everything. is a lot of, I mean, that's is. really impressive. You were just talking about you're not knocking down walls, but that's <laughs> that's a lot of work too. Yeah, it so is. and she and she did some of it, like she pressure washed mm-hmm. out 
outside. Mm-hmm. She painted outside, that type of thing. But with the plan, it's like she probably put, I'd say, eight to ten thousand dollars in it. Okay. But by doing that, she made it extra thirty thousand dollars. So basically, she mm-hmm. got another twenty thousand dollars in profit from mm-hmm. doing that. So I mean, that's a good return on your investment, sure. right? Absolutely. That's what it's all about. And she probably got that sale faster than if she hadn't done those right. things. Multiple too. offers, over list price. So mm-hmm. that's what you're looking at if you're looking to do that, even in this market right now, is you know putting that sweat equity in, which she did part mm-hmm. of it, and hired other people to pressure wash the deck and that type of thing, mm-hmm. fix some of that. So it was basically people could see themselves living there when they walked in the door and not have to do projects. Basically, right. I can put my boxes down and I can start living my life. Mm-hmm. Which is how I want to move into <laughs> yeah. a place personally. But um, So you've listed some great examples on ways to improve your home. And so we're talking about without spending a lot of money, are some of these things, do they fall into that category? Are there other great suggestions that kind of save you money but still make your house look beautiful for Yeah, buyers? you want to take that piece? Oh, I, yeah, I, I love I that. About that. I, well, you know, I'm the penny <laughs> the pincher. I'm the penny pincher in the family. Give me your best. Come on. (laughs) Well, you know what? I think what really blows my mind is what a big difference paint makes. Mm -hmm. Paint can transform a room. A room. If you've if you've seen it, you know. I mean, so the first thing that we always go in and look at is paint, lighting, and curtains, flooring, and decluttering. So Mm -hmm. those are our five. With painting, obviously, we just talked about that. It can really change and transform a room. Light. And quick note, yes. sorry to interrupt, but no. do you recommend a lighter paint color than a darker paint color, or is that just really objective? You know, we do have a palette of about three colors. We, say, we recommend have like two primarily: <laughs> cream and white, <laughs> no, shell. No, no, it's a gray. It's shocking. Okay. I love gray. Perfect. Well, it's okay. grayish, right? Gray. So, so we've got grayish in the in one area, and then we do have a typical gray right now that we mm-hmm. use as well. So kind of beige. It, it kind of depends on the house. Sure. To be honest with you. Yeah. And the lighting. Yep. And then lighting, that could be a simple light fixture switch out. If you have that kind of price point, that's fine. Or it could be something as simple as opening up the blinds. That makes a huge difference. And then curtains. Curtains really can warm up a space or they can take away. (laughs) So we had, um, if you have a bright color, we would love to take that down (laughs) and not distract. So you don't want my hot pink curtains hanging in the office? Mm. No. Well, in the office, Well, it it might work, actually. (laughs) I mean, and and that's where our interior designers come in, right? It's like, that's not what we're experts at. Mm -hmm. So we're experts at the marketing. We're experts at the negotiations Mm -hmm. and, and those pieces of it. So we bring those people in to help our sellers make sure that they have a plan that they're comfortable with and it's going to actually be uh, right on for them versus us just saying oh yeah i've seen this before right, right so right. for the most part it's always best to utilize our interior designers to help yeah. us all create that plan I love that. And, and you're creating community by supporting locals so right. win win right, win, right, win, right, win. Right. anyway yeah, and then mind. like rugs you know rugs can make a big difference if you can't mm. re-sand your floors or pull up the carpet or stretch them even you could that's a pretty inexpensive thing stretching the carpet if it's got <laughs> Cleaning it, cleaning, Oof. which sounds like yeah. a simple thing, but you need to like you, you need to hire a professional on that too. Okay, yes. all right, yes. But and there's some nice rug options that can really warm up a space, and then um, I would say decluttering. Absolutely, hands down, 100%. Our interior designers are big on bends, using bends to just shove everything. In it. So you hide everything, but it's like <laughs> yeah, I love it, it. Look, looks organized. Yes, yep. yeah, I'm a big fan of those now. But uh, de- just decluttering, I, we always tell people you're going to have to pack most of the stuff away, anyways. Just go ahead and get rid of it, right. pack it up, and then it'll feel like Christmas once you've um, <laughs> unpacked. <laughs> we hope, right, right. <laughs> and then in the garden arena. 
I would say our our five tips are going to be thinning things out. You really, we just did this in our house and we thinned out our entire garden. And she's wanting more. I do. Of course. Now I have a planting list. Now you have a whole plan in place. Like, yeah, right. this was just a small part of her plan, don't yeah. you know? But when we bought the house, it's like we had we had a master gardener that owned the house mm-hmm. and it just looked beautiful. So that's oh. one of the things that attracted her to the yes. house that we actually have now sure. is the fact that I love all this, but it's as she, we are not master gardeners, so we're having to thin out so it still looks beautiful. Otherwise, it would just look like a jungle right. in there. Right. So it has to be manageable for yes. your yep. expectations right. and needs. Yeah. yeah. And, and our stage of life. And then mulching, that makes a huge difference, mm. of course. Um, nice and fresh. Mm. Adding those flowers and then strategic shrubbery throughout. And then lighting. You know, a little landscape lighting, highlighting a flag or an ornamental tree or something would be really nice. Nice. Right. Because you're looking at some of the houses in the evening, too. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that's a nice curb exactly. appeal. You're not sitting there in the dark wondering where the house is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then and in lining like walkways, right? right? So making sure the walkways are nice and clean, whether you pressure wash them or, you know, make sure they're brushed off, blown off, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So people have an easy access to the front door. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a, that's a part of the exterior as well. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So we're back outside. We've done the walkthrough. We're outside. Um, and so we're thinking about spring because obviously we're headed into that season and it's unseasonably warm outside right now right (laughs) and we're excited to walk around the neighborhoods look for your homes see what's out there so what do you anticipate the housing market's going to look like this spring so i get i get to answer that when we talked about that ahead of time Uh, you know so whenever we're looking at real estate statistics let me get that right statistics there um you know we're kind of looking more at lag data right so we're having to look at the month prior Mm -hmm. a couple months prior on that front. And so with that, you know, uh, being in March timeframe, you know, typically we're, we're approaching spring market type of thing where we've got actual increase in buyers for the most part right now, with interest rates being the way they are, a lot of buyers are still sitting on the sidelines. However, we've only got about a month and a half supply of inventory, which for consumers, that means that we've got less sellers and more buyers and with Mm -hmm. that it's still a seller's market so you know i feel like depending upon what happens with uh you know the the data suggests that whatever happens is going to be based on those interest rates as well as you know the number of consumers coming to the market sellers are still going to have multiple offers in some situations we have seen like a year over year in some zip codes of an appreciation so we're not seeing a big tank in prices so don't expect to be getting a steal of a deal our our big recommendation that i just did a video on is if you want a deal you're going to look for something that's been on the market 15 30 days something like that and your deal may not be a huge discount in price but it's like hey, I get uh, the seller to actually pay for my loan to be lower. So instead of a 6% rate, I got a 5% rate because the seller can pay points for you or mm-hmm. closing costs or home inspection repairs. Or they might even take a subject to sell, which was unheard of the last two years, right. which means, hey, I've got to sell my property in order to buy the property that I just went under contract on. Mm-hmm. And so you could get that's kind of a deal per se as well. So. My, from Based on the statistics and the numbers I'm looking at, I feel like we're going to be competitive. Not enough inventory. It will increase, but then the buyers are going to increase too. We've had a lot of buyer consults going mm-hmm. on right now. And, where seller, are, and seller consultations. Yep. It's really picked up within the last few weeks. Yeah. yeah. So people are starting to get that itch. And, and normally we see March to mm-hmm. like August, September is um, you know kind of crunch time when it comes to, to buying and selling properties. A little bit of a lull in the middle of the summer for vacations, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you know, sellers, if you're thinking about selling, now's a great time to beat some of the competition. And the same for buyers. are not going to have as much competition right now in the first part of the spring market, in my that's opinion. Right. Oh, you heard it here. So, Full steam ahead. That's right. <laughs> they are ready to help with your real estate <laughs> yes. needs because it sounds like it's going to be busy. 
and maybe a little cutthroat. I don't know. <laughs> sort of like busting in through the uh, the Black Friday sales. It's time to get the favorite house that you know you need. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that, and that's what we keep telling people, too, is like, you know, it's like, don't if the in, in my opinion, if I was buying a house right now, the uncertainty would be killing me as far as like the interest rates. Right. So mm-hmm. if you find a house you like, it's actually affordable for your budget, then you know, go ahead and take a chance on it if that's something that you really, really like. Mm-hmm. And that gives you the opportunity to get in with less competition and to get what you want. And then long term, figure out financially, as long as it meets your budget. I mean, it makes sense. Don't worry about the interest rate. Just worry about what the actual payment is if it gets you what you want. Man, that's a really, really good tips because that's comforting to hear, right? Like right. you're always worried about the anticipation, the unexpected, mm-hmm. you know, what yeah. you just said there. I think that's so important. Um, so thank you. Gosh, that's a great tip. Uh, thank you both so much for being our guests. I'm from Print to Podcast. Another great episode segment with you guys and for sharing so many great tips on prepping your home and garden for the spring and of course of course for all the great content you're providing on social media all the good things there are to do here in the in the valley uh, thank you again so much for being here you're today welcome. Thank, thank you and happy spring i guess happy spring <laughs> see you next time <laughs> thank you be sure to follow hal and chris Cohn on their social media pages including youtube and instagram at cone realty group and learn more about their business and see homes listings at conerealtygroup.com Thanks again to our segment sponsor, Hal Cone Realty. Learn more about Hal and Chris Cone, the local real estate market, and more at conerealtygroup.com. Listeners, we're so pleased to be back and sitting down with Lisa Garcia, the new director for Ramp Regional Accelerator right here in Roanoke. Lisa Garcia plays an incredibly important role in our region by helping foster the growth of entrepreneurs from tech professionals. You can read more about Lisa's journey and her backstory and her work with Ramp thanks to writer Dan Smith in our latest issue on Newsstands Now, or you can see more at theroanoker.com. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on our show today. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for your time. We're so glad to have you and to learn more about the work you're doing for our local businesses. Fantastic. We're, we're excited to share. Yes. Now, if you don't know, Ramp was founded in 2017 with some funding from Go Virginia, the city of Roanoke, and Virginia Western Community College. Even more exciting, Ramp has nurtured dozens of startup businesses, and in September 2020, it received a major endorsement from the U.S. Economic Development Administration, which awarded a nearly $1 million grant to Valley's Innovation Council, a nonprofit dedicated to growing the region's innovation economy. So I'd love to hear more about RAMP and what you're doing for these businesses in our region. Yeah, RAMP was created, as you said, in 2017. It was really the answer to a question, hmm. like where do, where do um, technology entrepreneurs, startups go for support and funding and those kinds of things. We didn't really have a mechanism in the region for that. So a, a lot of dedicated people from the organizations that you already mentioned got together and created RAMP and launched it in 2017. The funding that you mentioned with the EDA was an expansion from one cohort of five companies and startups a year to two cohorts a year. Really um, the intention to have a space to nurture life and health science startups, which mm-hmm. if you've seen the, the news recently. Yeah, Roanoke is getting a big chunk of change around this whole biotechnology and biomedical innovation corridor that's Mm -hmm. being created. And RAMP's a big part of that as well. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people might not even realize how much you're doing for the community. And so I was kind of curious, how do you recommend people might be able to get involved with your organization and helping those businesses? Sure. So RAMP is the only um, business accelerator in the Commonwealth of Virginia that's directly affiliated with a technology council. (laughs) You may be familiar with RBT the Mm -hmm. Roanoke Blacksburg Technology Council. And I would say that that is a really great landing space to get to know the the innovation network and the technologists and the deep tech scientists and engineers and actually biomedical 
professionals. We work, we partner with Carillion and uh, Fralin Biomedical Research Institute here, as well as uh, as many others. So if you were to participate in RBTC as a member or um, just come to an event, you mm-hmm. start to get involved in that space, which is directly affiliated with RAMP. And then what I say, why I mention that is that's a place where you can get to know people, and then we actually pull from some of those um, folks that are interested in participating and helping with RAMP in terms of mentoring or coaching. Um, sometimes people like to sponsor or offer services to the startup companies. There'll be a lot more of need as we grow this work that we're doing. That's so exciting. I especially love that you, you clearly found a missing element, right? There was a void somewhere and you stepped up to fill that role. And I think that's really terrific. Um, I was curious, going a little off script, if you could name a few of the businesses that you've helped just so people can recognize these. Sure, sure. We've um, So again, starting 2017, um, we've had 38 companies that have participated in what we call the Ramp in Residence program. The Probably one of the ones that um, folks may recognize is Ticket Spicket, which was went through a cohort in 2019. It was recently in the news because it was acquired by um, Hometown Ticketing. So that that's a, a success story for us in the sense of they came in four years ago and have now been acquired, which is one of those things when you go from a small company to a large company. Wow. It's one of the milestones that um, that that people like to point to. And all of those employees that were in the original startup here are still employed with That's the company. so exciting. That's they, They're not left behind. That no. They get to stick with what they love and are passionate about. Yeah. That's terrific. So I was curious about what ongoing support for accelerated businesses look like. You know, is that you've talked about uh volunteering membership and events and things like that. Yeah, it really is a network of support. Um, we have key partnerships with Virginia Tech and Carillion um, ICAP, which is the uh, statewide um, innovation program. We have uh, training, uh, key partners with businesses in the region that might offer discounted services in terms of bookkeeping or accounting or grant writing wow. type things. Um, we recently were able to, through um, funding through the Truist Foundation, able to provide micro grants to some of our startups to hire grant writing help. So think about it in the terms of, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars is able to leverage maybe ten million back to the region. Wow. Because and this was one that was sort of a surprise to us. We're like, this is such a tiny amount of money. But it the way it's leveraged was people were able to 10x or 100x, you know, the I money. I can't imagine people like that blows my mind hearing that 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 small number. <laughs> it is a small. Back. <laughs> it's a small number. It, it is when you're talking about the you know if you want to do anything in uh, growing a company, especially in in the medical field, it's millions and millions of dollars sure. of investment, and it's a much longer runway of time that you're talking about. Right. So um, the biggest non-equity funder in the world is uh, the federal government, the U.S. federal government. So applying for those funds is something we hope to get everybody in the region as much as possible skilled up to do and just be really great at bringing those millions of dollars here. It's so amazing what you're doing for entrepreneurs and startup businesses because all those moving pieces, if you're new to this, how do you how do you even know where to start? Yeah, and I think that's one of the things we hope to be is more like a um, – Sort of like a trail guide in sure. the sense, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna lean into our, <laughs> in our to our outdoors uh, things that that's we good. like. We're talking to, about outdoors in the March I, April issue too. So I know. That's good. <laughs> um, but I think about it as a trail guide. I mean, there's a lot of paths that you could take, and you know, if all you have to do is go to do one Google search and realize, man, I'm overwhelmed. Right. So we have a lot of people in the region that are willing to share their um, lived experience in this space and say, hey, this is the path to take. These are the people to talk to, and it really just winnows down that enormous 
enormous, overwhelming list of resources down to things that apply to you in this context, at this age and stage of maturity of company. Man, how do we do without ramp beforehand? <laughs> oh my gosh, thank goodness for you guys. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of dedicated people offering their time Absolutely. for free before ramp, right? And then they organized a structure around which they could even do more. Which oh, is- and I love the mentorship process. I think that's so important because how do you learn if you know somebody's not there to kind of guide you? And, yeah. and, and it's even more gracious that they're willing to share their experience it is i mean it's i just to a person um i've been impressed by the hospitality the generosity you know southern hospitality no surprise right here in roanoke yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but it but it really has been um gratifying and and inspiring at some level to see people that they make a lot of money on an hourly rate when they're at their day jobs and then they're willing to give away that time and that expertise to to help grow our region in a really meaningful way. Yeah, absolutely. That's so great. Thank you for all you and your team are doing. I mean, that's really incredible work. Um, you're also going to learn a little bit about Lisa's backstory in our in our feature in March, April that Dan wrote. And so we were talking about, you know, you came from a journalist background. I did. And, and so if you don't mind, sort of like, how did you end up in this position <laughs> of director of RAMP from your background? Yeah, so it, it really was about one door opening into a new opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity. My father actually went to UVA. He was an electrical engineer. I grew up making technology projects wow. with him. Really loved science and technology. Um, I moved from journalism into another opportunity working with a financial planner. And out of that, I worked with some very high net worth business people. And that moved into working with technology companies. The perfect culmination of what you're doing now. Well, and, and, you know, and I worked with technology companies in the corporate Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. And from there, I got um, picked up to do some work with the National Science Foundation and some international work as well. The through line, which everybody in this room will understand uh, that's in journalism, was really an a lifelong curiosity, asking good questions, and then helping people ask really good questions so they could identify who are their best first customers, who, what kinds of research should they be um, approaching, which kind of research questions. Because again, if you can winnow that field down to something that people are interested in and willing to invest in, then you are much, much, much more um more able to de-risk the opportunities. And that's than you. so important because sometimes you don't even know what questions to ask, yeah. but with you helping them, I mean, that's really key. Yeah, so so we really push, teach and preach uh, discovery interviews, going out to talking to people that you don't know, but you expect that your products or services might impact. And people always come back with information that uh, changes their business model, changes oh, the way they approach things. That's so cool. I love it. Like, how inspiring is that? That's great. Um, speaking of inspiring, obviously, this role that you're in is, is a huge leadership role. I I mean, you're really forging a path, like you said. I mean, this isn't something that's existed here. You're really sort of figuring it all out, you know, and helping other businesses. And so I was curious from your role in a leadership position, you know, what do you think is your best advice for women who are seeking other leadership positions, whether in your industry or others? Yeah, I would say to stay curious. Um, One of the things I like to say when I'm doing any sort of classes or um, opportunities for training or talking to folks is, you know, Think of yourself coming into a situation, even like today, and and I want you to be five to ten percent more curious than you normally would be. Um, from the last facilitation I did, I you know for some people that's one hundred and ten percent of curiosity. Some it's twenty five percent, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like just come in uh, being an, a, a learner. You know, I really believe in being curious and a lifelong learner, and that served me really well. 
Um, I like to surround myself by people that stretch me intellectually and professionally. And I'll tell you, the board of directors for Verge, uh, which is our parent organization for Ramp. Ramp is a program of Verge. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, in our portfolio is RBTC as well. But um, our board of directors and our mentors, boy, they're, you know, smart people, good people to surround yourself if you want to stretch yourself. That's great. And it also harkens back to your original background as a journalist, asking those good questions and Mm -hmm. making sure that you're open to whatever you're hearing. Yeah. (laughs) There's that, yeah. (laughs) Of course. Now, you're obviously dealing with a lot of people in the Valley and and other leaders, and so I was curious if you had any other female leaders in the area who you just really admire and respect want to give a little shout-out to. Yeah, you know, when when I was thinking about this uh, in general, I thought, man, there's so many women um, that that are inspiring in our region. And then I came back to RAMP and the work we do, and I thought it would be – Remiss. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the female entrepreneurs that we work with because they are struggling. I mean, not struggling. They are juggling mm-hmm. so many, so many different things at one time. And um, sometimes I think people just expect women to, to juggle many, many sure. different roles because we do it. Um, we do it pretty well. Effortlessly. <laughs> yeah, effortlessly. Um, but we really do. We have some amazing um, entrepreneurs. Uh, Jessica Gilberti was in our last cohort with Canteros, both uh, you know, invented a biologic that is now going to change the way we heal and live in in the future. I'm really excited about the work she's doing. Um, Lennox McNeary with Archive Core, Sarah Snyder with Beam Diagnostics, um, Diane Keyes in Fincastle with Microharmonics. They're working with NASA and, you know, the millimeter wave technology. Um, so it's just astounding intellectually dedicated, full of grit and resilience. And it it's an inspiration to um, work with and learn from these women. So like I said, surround yourself no with Gosh. people that stretch you. I just listed a handful and I'm already like, who are these people and how can I get them in this podcast studio? Because oh my gosh. They're, they're saving lives, helping healing, working with NASA. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Right here in our valley. Right here in the valley. That's and amazing. So, um, just just amazing women. And there, there are several others as well. But um, like I said, we are rich in the New River and the Roanoke Valleys with really, really talented people. And uh, it's a treasure. It's a real treasure. It's so exciting. And I love seeing the passion in your face and in your voice as you talk about it. It's true. Like you can just see how much you light up thinking about it. You must just love Love your job, and I'm so happy for you to do yeah, that. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy working with with these amazing people. Absolutely. So, if you have any downtime, because I don't know, maybe you barely sleep at night, you're probably thinking about all the ways you can help all your entrepreneurs <laughs> and small businesses. But you know, what do you love to do in this region in your downtime? If you yeah. get any of that, yeah. I, well, not as much lately, <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, historically, backpacking, hiking, trail running. Um, haven't been running as much with the commute. I actually live in Blacksburg and have been commuting to Roanoke. So, mm-hmm. um, back and forth on the road a lot um it's a beautiful drive i will add it is it is a beautiful drive drive, um but you know there's this whole challenge around being um technology entrepreneurs in a rural region so there's pros and cons Mm -hmm. to that but um but the valleys are very well connected um more and more so collaborating every day so but again backpacking hiking camping trail running um my whole family's interested in and we canoe and kayak and fish too so if you love the outdoors and, yeah. <laughs> and you love technology and um, you know this is a place to live and work put down roots I think that's really exciting and to, to kind of go back to that rural part you know you don't think about it's kind of like you just listed all these women that are doing these amazing things and I thought they're doing this right in the backyard, right? Like, yeah. they're not living in New York City working on these things in big cities. I mean, they're really working right here in the heart. Yeah. 
I, I think that one of the things, one of my goals is to um, just really crush this myth that you have to leave here in order to grow a big company or to be into deep tech. I talked to a gentleman recently, he's in a very rural area, um, invented something in the garage, next flight for <laughs> SpaceX, but his product's going up on that. Out of his garage, huh? Yeah, it's not in the garage anymore, <laughs> but, but, but literally that's how that wow. started, right? Um, wow. Uh, and those stories are real. You see them in the news, but they're real and happening here in rural areas. So, um, you know, and uh, if there's anything we learned from the pandemic, you can pretty much live and work anywhere. Yep. That's what, yep. So in JanFab, we had a piece about remotely Roanoke yep. and all the people that are living here and working anywhere else. And it's just the best of both worlds. Absolutely. So I, you know, I can't sing the praises of this region highly enough. And um, Verge is working very hard with Aaron Bertram at the lead to um, work with the Commonwealth of Virginia and bring in monies to attract talent, technology talent, and retain those folks here, including remote workers, mm -hmm. right, to really bring that in. And then collaborating with all the educational institutes, uh, institutions around our region. So we really, it's it's just exciting to see all those people coming together with a with a single-minded focus of growing the region, supporting technology, um, biotechnology, really enjoying the, the work we do here. That's fantastic. And it makes me happy that it makes you happy, clearly. <laughs> That's very exciting. Is there anything else you'd like to add about RAMP or how people can give back or volunteer? Yeah, just um, that if you're interested in, if you're a technology startup, in uh, the Roanoke or New River Valleys or Central Virginia, all the way out to Lynchburg and those areas, you know, be in touch. Um, we have two cohorts a year, mm -hmm. like I said. Applications are um, always advertised as being open on um, our website. And we also have things that you can be engaged with that don't involve being in the accelerator, including pitch and polish in our next one. Uh, those are opportunities to, in a virtual setting or an in-person setting, to pitch your, your business idea uh, in front of some of those great mentors and coaches we talked about before and get some real feedback and next connections or next steps. So, like I said, just just go ahead and get involved. There's lots of opportunities to do that. And I hope to see folks at the next Beer and Biotech or the next Tech and Toast, which is um, March 9th in the morning. Um, so that that's MELD uh, Manufacturing, one of the really cutting-edge technologies in the newer Valley, uh, based out of Christiansburg. The CEO will be speaking at that event. So lots going on, lots of ways to get involved. Excellent. And your website, rampRB.com. That Absolutely. is where you can go find more information. Again, that's rampRB.com. So make sure to learn more about that. Thank you so, so very much, Lisa. We can't just express our gratitude to having you on here well, today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you again to Ramp Regional Accelerator Director Lisa Garcia for being on the Roanoke Presents From Print to Podcast and for all she and the organization are doing to help local businesses and entrepreneurs. And of course, to Lisa for inspiring other women leaders in our region. Be sure to learn more about Ramp Regional Accelerator at their website, ramprb.com and see more from leading lady Lisa Garcia and our March-April women's issue on newsstands now or at the Roanoke. This has been our third episode of the Roanoke Presents from Print to Podcast, hosted by your dearly devoted editor, Liz Long. Thanks so much to our sponsor, Cone Realty, and of course to our friends, Salem Mayor Renee Turk, local realtors, Helen Chris Cone, and Ramp Regional Accelerator Director, Lisa Garcia. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll learn more about the pet side of our March-April issue, including the sweetest therapy dogs, the region's dog-friendliest neighborhoods, great training tips for your furry family members, and more. Be sure to get our latest issue on newsstands now or read even more at theroanoker.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.